Welcome to Citizens Midweek, a podcast for our church family in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we take a deeper look at this week's sermon. I am your host, Jacob Kirby. This week, I'm joined by lead team member and deacon Cole Simpson, who gave the sermon this week. Here we go. This week at The Gathering, we continued on in our series through the book of Ephesians. I believe this was week 12, actually. It's been it's been a few months, but um, this week specifically, we looked at Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, and we kind of talked about um, bosses and employees and the relationships that they have with one another. Um, this is kind of the, maybe famous, for lack of a better word, but maybe one of the more known passages in Ephesians talking about bond servants and masters. So we kind of talked about, I mean, started off just kind of highlighting the fact that when Paul talks about bond servants or maybe your translation says slavery, the word slavery, you know, pulls up a lot of hyperlinks for us through American history and Americans history of slavery. So we first, first of all, just laid the foundation that um, the type of slavery that Paul was talking about that existed in the first century in, you know, the Greco Roman world is not even remotely close to the type of slavery that we experienced here in the United States. For Paul, bond servitude, slavery in that way was more of a, a social safety net almost, where people that had serious debts to one another would, would give themselves to slavery for a contracted period of time to pay off their debts or things like that. They still had rights and they could still own property and they still you know, were viewed as, as image bearers unlike what happened in America. So that was kind of the first thing was to help us see past the really kind of triggering language of slaver, slave and master. And then after that, we really kind of boiled it down to, well, if it's talking about, you know, masters and, and bond servants, really what it's talking about is just bosses and employees, right? The relationships that we have with the people that we work for. So we kind of hit a few kind of points to bring out what God calls us to, how, how God calls us to relate to our bosses if we're employees, how God calls us to relate to our employees if we're bosses. And really the point for all of that was, you know, if you're an employee, God's call for you is to honor and obey um, the authority in your life through your bosses, that God's primary concern is that you, you know, have a humble heart that obeys what your bosses ask you to do. And ultimately knowing in the middle of that, that you're working for Christ, that you're working for, you know, the glory of God while you're obeying and submitting to your authorities. Um, And then the call for, for Christian employee or Christian bosses, employers is to honor your employees, to not abuse or to not neglect or to not, um, not see people as a means to an end to make you money, but to see them as image bearers that just happen to work for you, to treat them with the respect and honor they deserve as people that are made in the image of God. And then also just a reminder that um, you will give an account for the work that you do one day before God, that we're going to be, you know, asked to give an account for how we treated one another, how we treated our bosses and our employees and how we, you know, handled the work that we are given. So a lot of really good practicals in the sermon, talking about a thing that's really specific that we don't always get to talk about very much in the Bible. <laughs> um I think for me, the part that stood out the most was the idea kind of that um, you were talking about this in the how does God call employees to behave section. And you were kind of just talking about how um, God's primary concern for me as an individual is how I respond and how I participate in my work environment and my, you know, boss or employee relationship. God's primary concern for me is not what is wrong with my boss. So my focus can't and shouldn't be my role in fixing my boss and calling my boss out and kind of, you know, dismantling anything I don't like about that environment. My primary concern as somebody following Jesus is how am I engaging with the environment that I'm in, whether it's perfect or not? How am I responding to the opportunity to work with integrity, to respect the people around me, to honor the authority in my life? 
and ultimately trusting that God is going to handle any injustice that might happen in the workplace. And that's not necessarily, you know, my job is not to fix or correct or condemn my boss. My job is to be faithful with what God has given me and to honor the people around me. So I thought that was really helpful. It's a really helpful boundary, honestly, for me, just if we can't fix people, we can only, we can only control what we contribute to. So that was kind of what stood out to me. But what about you, Cole? What kind of stood out to you while you were preparing for the sermon? Yeah, I, uh, it kind of goes along with what you were saying, and it was more of a more of a um, footnote towards the end, but just a similar idea that that God is more concerned with our faithfulness than our passion. You know, so Paul is um, writing this letter, and he's writing to this Ephesian church, and he takes the time to specifically talk to bond servants, and and like we said, the bond servant role or the slave role is very different than you know the how we as uh, 21st century westerners think of slavery but nonetheless it was not a fun job like you were a servant for somebody didn't make it glamorous yeah exactly you know like you were probably doing manual labor um to some capacity probably you didn't get to do the things you wanted to do yeah sometimes you were in that position because of other people's mistakes a lot of times children were born into this you know it would take a generation or potentially two generations to work yourself out of debt so sometimes you're in this position because of a parent's mistake or a sibling's mistake or something like that and Paul's call to them is to basically work for these masters, whether they're good masters or not, which we don't have to get too far into, but probably there were some not great masters, is to work for them like Christ had called them to it. In other words, be faithful. And I just, it's hard for me to not, to imagine that this was their what they wanted to do when they were a child, when they woke up, was like, you know what? I just want to be an indentured right. servant. That's the goal. And so I, that was really good for me because that is just not a um, a category that I have as a American. I, I just am so quick to, what do I love? What do I care right. about? What do I need to put my time in? What gives me energy? What is all those type right. of things? And those aren't bad things. Don't misunderstand me. But I just think it, Paul's... Paul's main concern is that you're being faithful. Mm-hmm. And secondarily, that's great if you love your work. Right. Awesome. Right. Good for you. But regardless of whether you love your work, God is sovereign. You are where you are supposed to be. Yep. And you are called to be faithful. And that's just really interesting to me, regardless of circumstances. Right. And so that was a that was a super helpful just reset for me as someone who, uh, just to honestly confess, like it's very easy for me to just make work about work. Like right. I don't bring God into it. I don't, right. I don't think of it as part of my spiritual life, which is funny because I spend at least some of my day working at a church. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just think it's a task driven thing. I got to get this done. I got to move forward, right. et cetera, et cetera. So that was a really helpful thing that is both like not really about me and God is very involved in my work. Right. And how do we be faithful in that it was really challenging and, and good for me this week. I think that really intersects. Like, I mean, it kind of comes head to head with, the very, I mean, the very American idea of what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, like how often were we and how early were we asked that question as kids, assuming that we would only have the choice, you know? Sure. And I mean, first of all, people that get to choose what they want to be when they grow up get to do so because of some, you know, wealth and privilege. <laughs> I mean, sure. people that don't have, you know, uh, limited are people that have less than limited resources. Like they get to pick what they want to be, you know, sure. but 
I mean, I think it, you know, American culture, especially, you know, when we were all being raised through elementary, middle and high school and college, like we really were kind of presented with this idea that the world was going to offer us whatever we wanted and that the primary aim for us was to discover our passions, discover our, our, the things that interested us, the things that we enjoy doing. And then a job would just kind of appear. Sure. <laughs> I would kind of do that. Yeah. Um, and that's just not, I mean, it's not Paul's concern at all, whether or not we enjoy the work that we're doing, whether right. it meets our giftedness, whether it meets our wiring, whether it meets our passions, it's not even a consideration. The The call either way. And I've known people in both seasons, people that really love the job they're doing and people that really don't love the job they're doing. Right. And the call for both of them is to be faithful and to have integrity and to honor the people that they work for. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it's easier said than done. And I know that I've not always done the best, you know, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of grace in that. There's a lot of, allowed to be in process, figuring mm-hmm. it out. I mean, there. so on one side, it's like, how thankful can we be that we get to do that? We right. have the opportunity to really say, what do I want to do? Right. Like in America, for a lot of us, not everybody, but for a lot of us, and we get to sometimes do that. Like right. what a gift, genuinely. Yeah. Um, and on the same token, I think it's just a good, at least for me, a good thought process as I think about uh, – my view of the world or how I allow uh, my culture to shape my theology mm-hmm. is the idea of I try and take principles and apply them across time. Yeah. So just this idea of, well, God cares. God's primary concern is that you are in your wiring, gifting and passion as a mm-hmm. job. It's like, well, if that's true, then until about 200 to 150 <laughs> years ago, the world didn't operate correctly. Right. Right. And so, there's got to be a, uh, maybe, maybe, I'm not saying God doesn't care about that at all. Don't mishear me. But it's like, I don't think it's his primary concern. I think his right. primary concern is our faithfulness. Right. And so that's just helpful for me as someone who, honestly, I never, I never would have thought if you told me five years ago, Cole, you're going to be selling houses and selling ice. Right. Like I just never would have right. known that. And it's like, but here I am and I'm trying to do it faithfully for the glory right. of God and I don't do it perfectly, yeah. but so I, at least for me, that gives me a lot of freedom. It takes out the, um, and we're going to talk about this in the work series, so I don't want to give too much away, but this like, <laughs> what are you called to do? It's like, ah, ish, ish. You're called to be faithful where you are. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's like, I think ultimately our calling is all the same, which is to follow Jesus faithfully. Um, and I even think that this, ser- this sermon and this content was really helpful for our young church in the season that we're in. Because how many people, you know, if, if you don't know, we're a young church plant. We've been in Charlotte for about a year. Um, and I'm just thinking about how many people that committed to move here with us to start this church took jobs that they maybe were less than thrilled about that might not have been their, their gifting, their wirings, their dream. You know what I mean? We have a lot of people that aren't necessarily in their dream job. Um, but that are doing that work because it's what they were able to get to be a part of this church in Charlotte, you know, which I think is really admirable, but also this, that, that comes really face to face with this sermon, which is, Hey, I know that you're not necessarily doing what you love, but are you going to be really faithful with it until what you love comes your way? And maybe it won't for a long time, but are you going to be faithful in the meantime? Yeah, absolutely. So what are we uh, what are we going to dive deep on this week, Cole? Yeah, uh, I think the thing I wanted to focus on or or really dive into was this idea, and I mentioned it in the sermon, but 
this idea that Paul talks about in Ephesians 5.21, talking about how as Christians we are all called to submit to one another. And just that idea, I think that's really interesting. So, you know, he's about to, uh, basically, Paul is about to talk about these relationships. He's about to talk about marriage. He's about to talk about parents and kids. He's about to talk about bosses and employees. And before all of those things, Paul goes out of his way to kind of make two really significant points. The first point is that we are all under authority. Right? So we are all under the authority of God. So any authority above you is delegated. God has chosen that regardless of how you feel, God has chosen for that person to be here right now. And in some way, in some way, that person being there is actually helping God expand his kingdom. Like he is he is using them to work for the good of all things right. in some way. I don't know exactly what that means, but I know that God is sovereign. I know that God is working all things for his good, his glory, and for our good. Like yep. that is the final right. play. So in some way, I, I'm not trying to say I exactly understand it, but in some way that person is there because God said this is what is best yeah. for this season, for this time period. So that's just crazy. Right. And then the other thing that I think is interesting Maybe this is just because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open about how I have a significant power idol. Uh, so maybe this is just interesting to me. But Paul's assumption is that in our authority, when we are husbands, when we're in authority, bosses, when we're in authority, parents, when we're in authority, we didn't talk about this in Ephesians, but pastors, when right. we're in authority, um, when they're in authority, his assumption is that they will have a an attitude and a um, their first instinct will be submission. Yeah, that they will submit to the one those around them. That they will submit their desires, and that their authority primarily will not even be about them. Right, it won't even be about like so. Their kind of their filter is okay. I'm an authority. I've been put in this authority. God has put me here, so I've been delegated, so I'm going to answer for this. I'm going to have to give an account for the authority I've been given, whatever Hmm. that field is. And then what they do is, okay, so can I submit my preferences here and love the other person by letting them do what they want? Like, is there a way I can die to self Hmm. for them, even though I'm an authority, so I have the right to not? And then really... Kind of, I want to say Paul's kind of thought process is the reason you shouldn't do that is because basically you should do that unless it would not help God's kingdom, right? Basically, so it's like, oh, it shouldn't really ever be, nah, we're not going to do the thing you want because I want to do something else, right? It should be, you should do the thing that they want unless the thing that they want would hinder their good the growth of God's kingdom, like what we should do as believers. And that's just not how I think of authority, right? right? I think at least again, in my sinful posture, I think of authority as you're in charge. So you get to do what you want. Right. And what Paul is saying is, yeah, you are an authority, which means you're going to have to answer for that. So there's more responsibility there. And your authority is only to help bring about God's kingdom. Right. So like, 
probably you're not going to get to do what you want a lot of the times too, maybe even more. Yeah. And so that's just really interesting to me and helpful for me because it kind of turned leadership and authority on its head, you know, and which makes sense. That's what Jesus did when he comes to the earth, right? He comes and talks about the first will be last and talks about this idea of servant leadership. I didn't come to uh, be served, but to serve. And so that is our posture that we're called to as Christians, regardless of our position, but especially if we're in authority, because we have the power to make systematic change. And so it's like, of course, even more so you're called to that, to a higher level, to a higher degree of scrutiny, Yeah, because you not doing this well matters way more right. than someone under you not doing yeah. well. And they should do it well, too. That's what I'm saying. So that's just an interesting thing. I don't think that's how I uh, sinfully think about authority. And I don't think it's how we as Americans mm-hmm. think about authority. And so... I think that is just a helpful reframe. For yeah, me. it's really you know I uh, I got the chance to to teach at our sending church this weekend and we talked about obedience, talk, looking at Philippians, and it came up just the fact that Americans really really hate anything that would claim authority over us. It's sure. so it's so built into us. We immediately equate authority to oppression or authority to um, tyranny or something like that. Um, but that's, I mean, it's just not a biblical category. I mean, there's certainly a biblical category for sinful leadership, of course. but there's not a biblical category for authority is inherently negative. Authority, authority is inherently wrong in the way that our American minds really want <laughs> for it to be. You know, God's given us people and authority over us. You know, you know, somebody in our community group used this language this week that really just reminded me of the beauty of authority, but somebody in our community group used the word head covering. They are my covering. They're my head covering as an authority over me. And just remembering that authority is a gift for us in the church, for us in our workplaces, for us in the world we live in. Um, authority covers us in a way that, you know, is meant to emulate and, and depict God, right? God's grace covering us, God's right. forgiveness covering us, and God kind of going to bat for us on the cross in Jesus. And, um, so like in this sermon, having to really reframe what we think about authority to make sure that we're thinking about it like God does first, um, it's important work to do. But Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, kind of twofold, again, the things that I don't think people think about. Authority, our example of authority is you sacrifice the most. Mm-hmm. The person with the most power yeah. takes the worst hand. Right. Like they, Jesus, who has complete authority, complete control, can do whatever he wants, omniscient, omnip, all of it. He chooses to die on a cross and take our sin. He chooses to do the thing that nobody else could do, and he was the only one that didn't deserve. And he chooses to step into that. And I think that's the model we have for authority is you, uh, there's this topic, I think it's in military, but leaders eat last hmm. yeah and, and it came about in war and it was this idea that if you're the leader you make sure everybody else gets enough first right and if anybody's going to go without it's going to be you yeah because you're the leader that's what leadership that's what authority well wow. means and so like, i think that again is this idea that we tend to forget with authority and then i think we in our cultural moment forget about the fact that the Bible is clear. Every knee will bow. Right, right. So I know that, and it's true. We like to think of God as this all-loving, compassionate, merciful, gracious God because he is. He right. is that. But he is also ultimate authority. And that is a good and beautiful thing. 
But it is also something that Paul even talks about when yeah. he talks about bond servants obey your masters mm-hmm. with fear and trembling. There right. should be a level of fear and trembling or yeah. respect or awe to God because he is an ultimate authority right. and you will bow to him. Right. Whether you want to or not, that's right. not the question. Right. The question is not whether you think God deserves your obedience. The question is how it's going to happen. Yeah. But it's going to happen. Right. And so... I think it is good for us as, again, Americans to kind of reframe this. Hey, there is such a good thing. There is such a thing as good authority. What does a good authority look like? How do I submit and follow good authority? It talks about in Hebrews this idea of be a joy to lead, Hmm. like be a joy to your authority. Make them so joyful that they get to be over you. Yeah. Uh, So that should be our call. That should be our desire as believers to our managers to our parents, to whoever it is, right? We should be a joy to them. It's just, oh, this person is so great. That's what we should be doing. And then get to remember that God is in control no matter how you feel about it. Hmm. And so that is both so freeing and really challenging simultaneously. And and so that, again, just as this idea that uh, Ephesians 5.21 was really helpful to me, this idea that Authority probably isn't what you, what we think it is, and both in positive and negative right. ways. So, yeah, that's really helpful. I even the way you just said that at the end was really encouraging to me. If are the people that we work for thankful that we're a part of what they lead? You know, are we making it? Are we making it easier to be a boss because of the way that we're working with integrity and generosity and gratitude and positivity? And yeah, we. Uh, uh, I won't say his name, but there's a guy at our, our sending church, and he uh, he was in my life group uh, mm-hmm. for a long time, which was just our cool way to say community group there. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll call him John. And when John came around our group, I mean, he just didn't really know what he was doing. He, like, he thought he loved Jesus, but he didn't know what it looked like, didn't know what it uh, meant to do that day to day. And now John is like married he runs uh one of our leadership teams he uh is a i think it's a financial analyst he genuinely is such a joy i mean yeah. it's just kind of like uh if we had we, we used to say this uh, again at my center church if we had a thousand more johns our church would be such a better place right because we would have a thousand more people who died yeah. to themselves who love the people around them et cetera, et cetera. And so that's kind of, again, one of my questions that I try to ask myself when I'm in a room, and I don't do it perfectly. I'm sinful. Right. Absolutely not. But, hey, if there were more of me at this church, would that be a good thing or a bad yeah, thing? Yeah, would that be a problem or an asset? Yeah, well, and just a good question to ask. Yeah. And I don't know that we should feel shame regardless of what the answer is, but I do think it should be convicting right. of like, oh, man, there, there couldn't be 10 more of me here. Yeah. You probably need to grow then. Huh. Wow. You probably need to change a little bit. Do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with kind of in light of the sermon? No, I mean, I'm really excited about the work series. We're going to get to jump into a lot of these topics more deeply. We're really excited about it. I know Tim mentioned that at the member meeting, but I I think it's going to be really good for us as a church and hopefully set our trajectory well of just loving one another and loving the people around us. Kind of walk us through a little bit, kind of the overview of that series. What's What, what are we kind of hoping for and aiming yeah, towards? Yeah, so we're hitting a few really big topics. We're hitting um, identity. We're hitting calling. We're 
hitting how we partner with God in his redemptive story yeah. as uh, people who work. Right. Right. But basically just trying to take a biblical view of work. So what does the Bible say about work? Is is work a good thing? Would work have happened for, yeah. without the fall? Right. I know we're going to hit that. And then just how should we think about work? Right. What should we do day to day? How should we view that in a spiritual lens yeah. because it is a spiritual thing? And how can we be missionaries in our workplaces, I mean, I think the best way I know how to say it, and uh, I know this is something we're going to talk about, is this idea of Jesus talks about, he says, they will know you by the way that mm-hmm. you love one another. Yeah. And I think probably he's not saying that because he thinks they're going to come to church. Right. I think he's saying it because he expects you to be around people in yeah. your community. And one of the ways you're going to do that is in your job. Yeah. And so, and be people, a compelling picture of love in the midst of that. Picture of the gospel. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it's like, what does that look like? How do we do that? How do we be people that people know Jesus more because of how yeah. we love one another? What a beautiful calling. Yeah. And how do we do that practically? Yeah. I think kind of the, the way that I've been kind of summarizing the last, I guess, 12 weeks of this Ephesian series is kind of lessons and ordinary faithfulness over and over again. And then this next series is really just a lot of ground level practical workings out of what we've been learning about how to be ordinarily faithful in the normal parts of our life. Let's expand that view into, you know, this part of our life. I've known about this series for a really long time and the way you just described it made me really excited about it. So (laughs) great job there. That's really was a great, really compelling summary. Well, thanks for joining us today, Cole. Um, really glad to, to have you. Thanks for, for preaching for us on Sunday and for joining us on the podcast. Um, that's all the time we have for this week. We'll see you next time.